Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey guys, in this episode, Stefan and co-host Ed Ray are joined by Rockstar copywriter, supplement offer owner, and copy accelerator member, Rob Tidwell. Here's a glimpse of what you're about to discover. Two ways to practice writing sales letters and get good really fast the biggest aha moment that completely changed Rob's copywriting career. This can take your copy to the next level too. Five tips for balancing family life and freelancing, especially when you have precious little ones. I hope you enjoy. Uh, oh, Chaka Small, what a dope name. Uh, Chaka asked, Okay, it's it's a pretty concise question. I'm just gonna read it. Uh, how how do and did you find material to practice writing sales letters? Cool. Yeah, we can just answer that one since it's so concise. Uh, Rob, you wanna go first? Uh, so <clears throat> first, I started by hand copying because that's what Copy Hour does, and then I practiced by getting clients. No, so honestly, I just like started finding stuff on ClickBank that I thought I could write better. This is a true story. So I go ClickBank, I'm like, I bet I could write better than that. And I just write my own version of it. And I always had this intention of like finding the offer owner and emailing them, which I I never did. But I mean, that was the that's how I practiced writing sales letters before I got real clients that had real sales letters. Cool. How about you, Ed? Mm. I uh, I went through Michael Masterson's uh, six-figure accelerated copywriting program, and I hand-copied a lot of that stuff. Um, I just hand-copied a lot of proven sales letters online. Um, but in terms of practicing the sales letter, I actually used, like, in terms of like, actually writing it, before I learned about Stefan's method, I used um, Todd Brown's E5 method, which is like, it's like basically the Agora approach essentially. But uh, man, I love, I love the way Todd markets. I've always liked his stuff. Um, uh, Lyle asks, what are, okay, this, this is pretty in depth. Lyle asks about the shifts in copy as you've grown. So we're gonna let him go for that. What up Lyle? Lyle. Lyle. Hey, how you all doing? How are you doing? You're good. Good, man. Loving the jokes. I nearly <laughs> forgot my question because of that last one. <laughs> See, Stefan, it was a good one. <laughs> so um, the question I have is, like, 
Rob, during your journey, or any anyone that wants to kind of chime in, um, during your journey, what are some of like the major shifts in thinking you've had around the mechanics of writing copy? Uh, could be something that you're like, wow, I can't believe I've been missing that the whole time. Or it could be something that you change in your writing process before you even start writing. Um, so I'll leave yeah. that up to you. Oh, oh I got some, yeah, I've definitely had some aha moments. And the funny thing is they're usually like, not that, like they're like kind of obvious, right? So I'll start with following a structure. So I tried writing a sales letter before I discovered RMBC, a couple of them, and that sucks. So following a structure, huge, saves a bunch of time. Um, number two, this is huge. This one changed my life. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. When I was a new copywriter. I'm like, ah, I got to come up with this really cool original funny, crazy, off-the-wall ideas, really, no, no one cares. Like, we want to make sales here, and if you think you're the most creative, like, no one cares about your creativity. They want to make sales. So when I learned that when I stopped trying to reinvent the wheel, man, that really opened a door for me. Number three, don't edit while you write. So those are, like, the top three that come to my mind. Yeah, those are, those are great ones. Um... I like, yeah, I mean, I think the processing, like that was like, um, with Jim Clare and his like posts about the lack of creativity and like, you know, innovation, like, I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not bringing up Jim Clare to talk about him personally, because like, it's just whatever. And I think he has some fair points in his posts and stuff, but it almost is kind of like, a, a like not having a process is like, like have a process, like, and then, and then innovate from there. Once you have a process and you've got it dialed in, like you can make within these boundaries or these lines, like you can innovate within them, but like, as long as you're still following this like linear progression and then over time, like if you want to try like weird abstract shit, like go for it. Um, but like having a process and, and not reinventing the wheel is, it's like, do you want to be at the end of the day, like if you're a freelancer and a copywriter, like, do you want to be creative or do you want to be paid and be able to like, pay all of your bills and have a roof over your head and have more freedom and support your family. And like, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? It's like, cause like you can be creative. There's a lot of really awesome, like broke ass artists. And if you don't conflate the two, like you can still be creative. You can still be an artist and, and but, but there's a, a fine line between art and, um, and being a technician too. And like, you know, do you want to be a starving like artist in Paris? That's romantic. You know, when you read about them in a novel, but in reality, they're like, you know, hungry with gnawing hunger and poor health and they die sickly and young full yeah. of bitterness and disappointment? Or do you want to be like, you know, a well-fed, very content, um, you know, more fully realized human being who then has the time and freedom to pursue the things that they truly love and are passionate about, right? And maybe includes copy. Um, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm just riffing on what you said, Rob, but I, but I agree with you. I think like not reinventing the wheel is one, or one of the most important lessons that I learned as well here. Um, and then I'd love to hear what you have as well. Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely really, really horrible at not trying to reinvent the wheel, but I do it every time. Uh, so I'm a hard learner, man. I'm a hard learner. I've always had to touch the stove to realize how hot it is, even though my mom would be like, don't touch the stove. And I'm like, yeah, touch it. Fuck. <laughs> anyway. So I just, I just want to make real clear, 
don't steal. I'm not saying steal people's shit. Right. Just so if anyone thinks that's what I'm saying. I, I'm talking about structure and think like not just, oh, I'm going to steal this story. Like, that's not cool. Just be clear. Yeah. Agreed. Um, man, there's a lot. There's a lot. Like, I could go into this for like a couple hours, but um, some of the biggest shifts is it's literally one of the most powerful and most important things you can do is forget about tactics or strategy, just coming from a place of empathy for the person you're talking to. Because when you do that, one, you actually give a shit about them and you show that through your copy. Like, Hey, I understand what you're going through right now. Like I've maybe I've been there or someone I know has been there or I've seen it or, uh, and, and truly like empathizing with them because then you also can directly have that conversation to what they're thinking. Like you can tap into the conversation in their head and meet them where they're at by being empathetic. The biggest mistake that I see is people talking down um, or at their audience, but that's not like that's not beneficial to anybody because they don't feel understood they don't feel wanted they don't feel like you know what's going on in their world and especially in today's age we're so long do the fucking coronavirus pandemic people just want to feel understood people want to feel like somebody fucking gets them people want to feel like they're not alone they're all they're they may, they may be physically isolated, but people don't want to feel alone. They want to feel like they're part of something bigger. And that's a big thing. So if you can, in your copy, again, forget the strategies, forget the tactics, empathize with them and then invite them to join you on a bigger mission, a bigger opportunity, a bigger something in this world that's bigger than themselves and invite them to be a part of that. Even more powerful to invite them to be a, an evangelist or a, a messenger or a carrier of your message by purchasing your product that's how you really connect with somebody that's how you really change a fucking life and that's how you stand up from the competition of people who are just saying stuff to sell stuff by being real with what you're saying i would i would go as far to say that if you don't love the person that you're selling to you're gonna have a hard time selling to them you can do it but if you want to really do it in the mo like Going back to empathy, like I learned this with writing copy and like I've talked about it from like research and really understanding the prospect. It's not just to understand them to like poke the, you know, pull the levers and, and the dials, turn the dials and, and whatever. It's like really becoming them and understanding like who they are and what their hopes and dreams are. I mean, that's the reason for the research questions in RBC about their hopes and dreams or victories and failures, things like that. It, it's, it's really to like embody them and, and, and then to like to love them. And if you, when you love somebody, you really want to help them. Right. And if you're writing copy for a product that you believe will help those people and you love them, you start to feel like you have an obligation to help them. And then to your point, I do become evangelical about it and you, you know, you sell them because, you know, and that's why it's important to as much as possible, right. For stuff you really believe in. Right. I'm not like going to get on a high horse because I wrote for stuff I didn't really believe in when I was young and trying to pay the bills and stuff. So I'm not trying to say like, look, you got to eat, right? But like as, as much as you can, and especially as soon as you have the chance, like really, I mean, today I do that, only that. Like I don't only pick a project that I, believe, but it's, it's actually easier. It's way easier 
um, because then you're excited to share it. People should. Like I used to order when I had all my supplement copy, and I was doing you know unique like cool products. Like I would end up ordering lots of the ingredients I talked about on Amazon. I had like a cupboard just full of supplements because I like fall in love with ingredients. I'm like oh this is so cool, and like that's good. You, you should feel that way. And if you feel that way, and you 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 take it yourself, it's a lot easier to be like, now I can you know recommend you take it too. But anyway. Great, yep. great input from both of you, Ed and Rob. I'm, I'm gonna. Hey. I, I just, I just made a note that I'm gonna have to go back and transcribe this episode and make some Facebook posts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is a lot of good stuff. Dude, Ed, that dude, that was amazing. And I'll, I'll just say this one last thing about, about this. And I posted in the group because every sales letter I write, I freaking get a little bit emotional when I'm doing the research, research portion, because I'm doing. I did a chronic pain one that was freaking brutal, right? Like even right now I'm writing one for insomnia and you know, like, Oh, insomnia. No, these horror stories are really bad. Like, and every letter I get, like I get a little bit emotional and then just what you're saying, like you have to want to help like feel for that. You have to have empathy. If you don't have empathy, you're not going to be a good copywriter. I think it's literally like that simple. If you have no empathy, I don't know how you're going to write, this emotional copy. I don't know, yep. but super so, good point. So the, the funny thing is what I find is the people who can't empathize with their audience are the ones who are fear mongering and twisting arms. You at the sale. Hmm. So okay. like, because they, they don't know what else to like, I don't want to call them a psychopath, but I, their, 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 their EQ chip is not installed. You know what I mean? Um, so they have to resort to that because People are very aspirational. I mean, shit, look at like, did, did Martin Luther King Jr. Did he say, oh, you know, like you guys are all in shit right now. Your, your lives are horrible. He's like, no, I have a dream. It's aspirational. When you can tap into the minds and the hearts of people, you don't have to go that different. You don't have to like push that hard on the negative side of things. I mean, you can obviously call a spade a spade and like call it out and address the elephant in the room be like, hey, this is what's going on. But you don't have to linger on it and like, like, dig deep into the person and make them feel like absolute dog shit. So unless they buy, they walk away feeling terrible. I believe you got to leave people better than, than you found them. Yeah. And I saw your post about that or email, whatever it was just, yeah, but it was great. Thank you. Yeah, You'll man. be seeing a lot more of that, man. That's, that's going to be my, uh, I think that's gonna be my, my new branding actually. Yeah. That's awesome. man. That, I'm excited I'm, for that. I'm excited for that too. That ties a lot up of what we just talked about. Right, me too, man. I, I love it. Awesome. All right, let's do maybe one more live one and then we'll rapid fire um, a bunch of the other ones. Sounds good. Thank you, Lyle. Appreciate your question, buddy. Yeah, that's great. Awesome answers. Question from Eric about um, balancing parenthood with entrepreneurship. Cool. Balancing what? Parents, parenthood with entrepreneurship. Uh, so he'll ask a question. Yeah. What's up, Eric? Eric. Oh, hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Uh, Good. Uh, working on a welcome email flow and just listening in. Nice. Yeah. Well, glad we can distract you from that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, let me close this stuff. <laughs> oh man. His ears must have perked up when we were talking about the the butt tattoos. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Always does. Explain that one to your children when you when they grow up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's a what's a tramp? Oh yeah. Um. So I got two kids. I got two young kids. A uh, three and a five year old. And Stefan's got uh, a kid, 
a three-year-old too yeah uh i don't know how old rob's kids are but three man, like yeah they're, my kids are napping right now but they're just screaming at me all morning while i'm trying to write copy and uh work on stuff do you guys how do you guys balance parenting and work time and your approach of spending quality time with your kids while also trying to grow your business what are your thoughts on that go ahead rob you can go first wait can um you, oh sorry ed's all of ed's illegitimate children thank you thank you thank you ed, I, how do you how do you stay connected with all of them man thank you thank you i was i'm so glad you got what i was trying to say thank you um <laughs> I'll start because I think I have probably a more unique answer than most people would. I take on less work than I probably could do and therefore give up some of the income that I could be making. And I'm very, very, very guarded on how much work I take on because when I start to get stressed, the wheels go like, you know, when I owe three different clients, three different things that once and it's coming down the deadline i start to get irritable and cranky and i don't want to be like that so i literally just don't overbook myself and yeah i'll just close the damn laptop i don't know sometimes i won't get shit done and i'll close my laptop anyway i don't know if that's the right answer but that's what i that's what i do and then the next day i make it up a little bit earlier okay so that's what i do for me, um, I mean, I agree with all of that, and I, you know, I've said that before on on this show. But the quote that um, soft time always gets moved for hard time. So if you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do something with my my daughter or my son or whatever, I have a daughter, but like my daughter later, um, yeah, later on today, later on today, but you don't really put it on your calendar or schedule it or really make a commitment to it, then other shit's gonna come up. Fire, client messaging you. You know, um, like, oh, I have a couple hours. Oh, my kid's actually watching TV. So, you know, they don't care if I come or not. Like, there's always going to be something. Um, so sometimes, like right now, I'm, I'm in a place in my life where I'm, I'm trying to just do less work in general. I mean, I'm still working, but like not like, um, but like, even if I'm busy, like putting it on my calendar, like blocking off time. Like, okay, I know that on Friday from 10 to 12, I can take my daughter to the playground. And like, literally, that's my calendar. So then someone tries to book a call. And the only time that they can do Fridays from 10 to 12, it's like, ah, fuck, I guess we got to talk Monday. You know what I mean? Like, uh, cause that's on my calendar. And then they treat it, like you have to treat it like sacred. Like, like just like you would like, you know, I mean, I'm sure there could be some exception. Right. But like generally like it's, it's sacred time that like doesn't get moved because otherwise you're always gonna find, and you're gonna regret that. And and why are you, what's the point of working? It's for the quality of, of, of your life and, and for your family and all that. So you've got to have balance. So, um, that's one of my biggest things. And then, and then, yeah, how do you work? How do I create a life where everything I'm doing is built around my family? So for me, my daughter gets up at 7.15, 7.30. So that's one of the reasons I like to wake up at 4.30 or 5. I get a bunch of stuff done, and I wake my daughter up every single morning, uh, almost every single morning. Uh, so I'm the one who gets her. And then I don't have anything scheduled for, like, the next hour to hour and a half because I just spend time with her. And then i then I like, all right, bye. <laughs> Daddy's going to go work, and I go work for a couple hours. Um but like, and I have stuff. So if I'm scheduling calls or meetings or whatever, like it's scheduled for those times. Like I, I, I again, it like comes back to scheduling. And then if I need to build stuff around that, um, I do that. So th that's my answer. Yeah, that's essentially what I do, except uh, the getting up at four o'clock part. <laughs> Still yeah. working on that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't take on nearly as much as I could. Mm. Uh, 
Yeah, and I mean, it's I, kind of taking the long, the longer road to success. Not that like I'm doing pretty well now, but uh, I know I could do more. That's how I feel. Cool. But if you gave up that time now with your kids, like I started this call off with, like yeah, that so was the point of me getting into this. Why am I? What's the point if now I've just so I left my job to what go work twelve hours a day at this, you know, writing copy? Like no. But let me just, I just want to throw out there, like, there are exceptions, right? Stephen will tell, anybody's going to tell you there are exceptions. I'm not like some, I don't want anyone to think like, a, oh my God, I never work with my kids around. Like, that's not the case, but I do make a, an effort. All right, that's just about it for today. Before we finish though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.